Hey, Brine Lions! I'm Tim. And I'm Emily. And this is On the Hill with Tim and Emily. Today's episode is actually a flashback to an event that was held back in February. The Office of Calling and Career Development held an alumni panel that consisted of four young alums. The focus was talking about life after Brian, networking, and how they define career success and how that's changed over their short careers. It's a really valuable conversation and one I hope that keeps happening on this campus. This episode is a great listen for our current students. I hope you'll check it out. There's some great nuggets of wisdom and just some really fascinating stories from folks who were in your shoes not that long ago. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, This is going to be our alumni panel event, and hopefully it will be really fruitful for you to hear from some young alums about um, networking, career success, and what life after Brian looks like. If you don't already know, my name is Emily Newport, and I am the Calling and Career Development Coordinator here on campus. I graduated in 2013 with a degree in theater. Um, I went on to get a master's in theater from Louisiana Tech University, and I've worked professionally in the theater industry as well as in higher education. So um, just wanted to do a quick introduction about who I am, if you don't already know, and I'm going to be your host for this panel this evening, and I'm super excited to be able to share and start this really important conversation about what career success is as you kind of venture towards that as you think about leaving Brian. I'm going to go ahead and introduce um, our panel and get started. You can come on up here. So first off, we have um, Dasha Sharova. She graduated from Bryan in 2016. Um, she majored in exercise and health science. Dasha is originally from Russia and came to Bryan College as an international student athlete in 2013. Currently, she works here at Bryan as a tutoring and testing success coach. In addition, she works as a basketball instructor and site manager for PGC Basketball, where she is also a part of the scheduling and events team. So she's very busy all the time. (laughs) Professionally, she is passionate about helping young athletes and coaches learn more about the game of basketball and how to better their craft. Here at Bryan, she loves helping students to be successful in their academics and seeing them grow throughout the semester. Outside of her job, Dasha enjoys traveling and spending time with her family. Welcome, Dasha. So she's going to be our guest that's in the room with us today, so we're really excited. Um, But we also have some virtual attendees, which you'll see up on the screen here in a second. So next is going to be Hudson Clare. Um, Hudson graduated from Bryan in 2017. He majored in business management with a focus in marketing. Hudson lives in Charlottesville, Virginia with his wife, Morgan. The two of them are heavily involved in their local church. They enjoy hiking at a local national park and playing pickleball and disc golf. During Hudson's time at Bryan, he was a part of the varsity baseball team and was an RA in Woodley Ewing. Hudson currently works at the University of Virginia School of Medicine as a major gift fundraiser. Welcome, Hudson. And they'll be live up there in a second. We also have Rachel Lawrence, graduated from Bryan in 2017, where she majored in theater and minored in music. Rachel is a 26-year-old Brian grad from Johnson City, Tennessee, where she lives with her husband and two dogs and dozens of houseplants. She began acting professionally in live theater after graduation and became part of the resident acting company of the Cumberland County Playhouse. 
She has also found success in the social selling industry, running an online business through social media. She has loved the flexibility, creativity, and leadership development that comes from these two unconventional career paths. Welcome, Rachel. And finally, we have Megan Ferguson. Megan graduated from Bryan College in 2013. She majored in business management. Megan started a job at the global software company SAP shortly after graduating. Her first job at SAP was in the Sales Academy, where she learned the basics of software and selling. Since graduating from the Sales Academy, she spent the last eight years selling various SAP products, most recently focusing on SAP Concur Travel and Expense Report software. Megan lives in Phoenix, Arizona with her husband and dog, and when she's not working, she enjoys hiking the Arizona mountains, reading, traveling, and trying out new restaurants. Welcome, Megan. And here we are. <laughs> Can you hear us all right? Are they gonna be able to speak? Okay, great. Okay, so we've got a couple of questions that we're gonna tackle today that I feel are really important. Um, and hopefully, hopefully the um, Zoom call will, per will cooperate. Um, and we'll be able to hear from everybody. Um, but we're just gonna cycle through each of our guests and hear a little bit about what their story is. Um, so we're gonna start with Dasha since she's here in the room. So the first question that we have is, can you just tell us about what your career story since Bryan College um, graduation? We heard a little bit about it, but we'd love to hear a little bit more in your own words about how you got started. Did you experience any setbacks or changes while you kind of went through that and where did you end up or how did you end up where you are today? So, um, I, I'm trying to get <laughs> uh, yeah. I started uh, originally when I was a senior at Bryan. Um, I was pursuing career as a strength and condition coach um, at the collegiate level. So, and I had opportunity to join the staff at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga um, as intern strength and condition coach and served there for a year and folked out, well, that's what I'm gonna do. Um, I had opportunity to go to Ole Miss University uh, as a graduate assistant, but um, by the probably March, I starting kind of feel that not this is a path um, God leads me to do, and I come back to coaching basketball. And then later I accepted a full-time uh, job at Madrid College where I served almost five years as assistant women's basketball coach. So, and um, it's kind of, after college, it was a lot of up and down. What are I gonna do? What do I wanna do? Do I wanna stay here? Do I wanna try something else, you know? And eventually I end up here at Bryan, back at Bryan in education. So it's kind of interesting how uh, sometimes things work uh, when you think uh, you all planned out, your career is like, you see the path, but path sometimes can change, so. Thank you so much. Um, we're gonna go ahead and jump over to Hudson. Hello, Hudson. Well, hold on, we're just gonna make sure we can hear you all right. So, can you hear me all right, Hudson? Yeah, I can hear you great. Great, okay, we're gonna go ahead and ask you to tell us a little bit about what your career story has been since at Bryan. How did you get started? What was it like along the way? And how did you end up in the position that you're in now? Yeah, so uh, when I was at Bryan, um, you heard a little bit about my bio, but um, I thought I was going to go into the business world, and I actually did a internship with Chick-fil-A the summer between my junior and senior year, 
and had an opportunity to go work um, in their business development office uh, at the corporate office. And I thought for all intents and purposes, that's where I was going to go. But then I kind of in my senior year realized I'm not passionate about selling chicken. And so I just decided that that wasn't the pathway for me. And so ultimately, I ended up going to Oklahoma State University, where I worked as a hall director and I oversaw the housing for 500 student athletes at Oklahoma State. And while I was there, it paid for my grad school. Um, I got all my housing food free, got paid. So it was a really great opportunity to further my education and then also just kind of figure out what I wanted to do from there. Um, after my first year of grad school, my mom got really sick. Uh, she ended up being in a coma for 13 days, and then she was in ICU for like 20 days. And it was just a really pivotal moment in my life where I started to like reevaluate uh, what it would look like to do something um, that would allow me to support like a purpose-driven organization, whether that was a hospital or a nonprofit, um, just because of the support and care that my family received during that time. Um, so I went back for my second year of grad school. I learned about something called development or Brian calls it advancement, but it's essentially, um, it's like trying to move the needle forward for universities or nonprofits and raising funds to be able to support the work that they do. Um, and when I was in grad school, I basically did a bunch of informational interviews with uh, people that were VPs uh, in development across the country trying to learn about the field, um, ultimately ended up getting a job at the University of Virginia, uh, focused on raising gifts of over $100,000 from, indi from individuals to support medical education um, for so like students that are gonna become doctors and uh, students that are in a residency program, also trying to raise money for like cancer research. And um, ultimately, I think all of my experiences working like in higher ed, my experiences in undergrad, obviously being at Bryan, culminated to me wanting to support the work that education um, embodies and also use some of my like business background, my desire to be in sales to kind of, you're, you're not really selling a product, but you're selling the idea that someone should give you $100,000 or a million dollars. And so... Um, that's the work that I find myself in and I've been doing it since 2019. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing uh, about what that's looked like over the last couple of years. Um, we're going to pop over to Rachel and ask her the same question. Tell us a little bit about your career story, Rachel. Yeah. So I, um, right after I graduated, started an internship at the Cumberland County Playhouse, which, um, if you guys haven't heard of it, it's about an hour, um, from Brian. So when I was a theater major, we would go there to see professional shows. We had to write papers on them. And it was funny after I started working there to be like, I wrote a paper about you guys. Like I saw you in that show, but, um, it was an internship that was more geared towards college students, not necessarily like graduates looking to really start their professional career, but I had chosen to do the Axe Project um, in the summer between my junior and senior year, so I kind of missed that opportunity there. So, um, but it's still, you know, it got me into the industry and um, got me, you know, performing professionally, which was awesome, being able to do that right out of college. So um, it was a it was just a summer internship, but they ended up um, hiring me to continue there. And um, when I wasn't performing in shows, I worked in the costume de department 
Um, so that kind of helped me like stay employed year round, which in the theater world, you're kind of hopping from contract to contract um, in a lot of situations. But for me, I was able to stay at this one place year round, which I really um, enjoyed and kind of worked my way up from intern to like production assistant to eventually becoming part of the resident acting company. Um, and in the middle of all of that, around, I think it was the end of 2018, I also started um, getting into Young Living, which I never saw myself doing like a social selling network marketing business. I'd only seen people do it in like a weird way, but I actually found a lot of enjoyment in like the creativity side of it. Um, I honestly was kind of finding myself with a lot of free time after being so used to doing so much homework for four years that I was kind of looking for something else to put my energy into. So I started building that business um, through Instagram. And when the pandemic hit, um, obviously the theater industry completely shut down. There was no online option um, for that. So um, I think the Lord had kind of orchestrated that to where I had put all of this work into it um, in the two years leading up to the pandemic that when I got laid off from the playhouse, um, I was able to put more energy into that and that kind of replaced my paycheck. So in 2020, we kind of went back and forth with, we did an outside show and then we opened up at like 25% capacity and I did some stuff in the education department. Um, and then we ended up, my husband and I ended up moving um, about a year ago to uh, Johnson City, Tennessee. And so I left that job. I ended up going back last April to do one more show with them that had gotten canceled because of the pandemic. Um, but now I do Young Living full-time. Um, I lead a team of about 400 people um, and I've just had a lot of fun doing that and it's a good kind of steady thing for me to fall back on that I know isn't going anywhere because it's all online while I continue to audition and look for other opportunities in theater. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing. And uh, Megan, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us about what your career story has looked like since graduation? Perfect. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Awesome. It's so fun to see Brian again, and that's a building I never saw. So it's uh, cool to see the, the growth that Brian's had as well. As Emily said, I graduated in 2013, and I... My senior year, I was a business management major. I was like, I don't know what I want to do, but I want a good job coming out of school. And so I prayed about it a lot. And I was dating someone at the time whose brother worked in recruiting for this company I'd never heard of called SAP, which now I know a lot about them because I've been there for almost nine years. And so he worked in recruiting at SAP and he was like, tell your girlfriend to send me her resume. So I had the career services at Brian, like let me write up a resume and sent my resume to him. And the recruiter, a different recruiter for the sales academy called me and said, you should apply. So I did and got into this interview process that started in December of my senior year. And then I got to fly, I did the phone interviews and then I flew out for this big panel interview. They had like 80 people at this cocktail reception and then we um did i did a one-on-one -on -one interview and a panel interview this big interview process and it was fun going through that because i actually had had all of a bunch of people at brian had helped me prep for the interview they kind of knew what i was and i had to do a presentation so the career services at brian at the time 
did this like fake interview. They like mocked it up. They did a mock interview. And after that, I think there was some mock interview days that, that the business group has done, but I did a mock interview to help me get ready. And then I ended up getting that job in the sales academy. So I did that for six months and then I got thrown into a sales territory that most of the people on my, or all the people on my team had like 10 years of sales experience and I had zero. Um, so that was quick. I had to learn sales quick, which was exciting and tough and challenging. And so I've been doing the same kind of role for the last eight years, which is sales, um, changed what I'm selling a little bit and I've changed my customers. Now I'm working with some of the largest customers in the world, like Deloitte and Merck and, um, some other large companies, which is fun. Awesome. Thanks so much. So um, our next question kind of jumps right into networking. So as you can see, there is a, a wide variety of experience already in just these four um, young alums, but there's an element to what they have done and where they've gotten to that is attributed to networking. How have they grown in these positions? Um, so we're just going to talk a little bit about um maybe the role that networking has played in their career and, and the different ways that they have utilized that. Um, and if they have any tips and tricks, cause it can seem really daunting and overwhelming and, and vulnerable to put yourself out there in a networking sense. Um, and we'd love to hear maybe some advice from you all as you share these tips about how to overcome that. Do they have any best practices to kind of get those jitters out of your system? Um, so we can go ahead and start with Dasha. Can you tell us a little bit about how networking has um, influenced and, and grown your career? So for me, um, as an international, I had to uh, build networking from ground zero because um, I obviously came here. I didn't know anybody. And um, it was challenging at first, but um, I, I'm not, I will never, and it's me, so, and I don't work that way, So and some people do. I would never um, recommend build networking uh, with dishonesty, like to just kind of use people for your own benefits, because eventually it will come up and uh, eventually, and your, um, you guys, some of you are business majors, some of you um, education, exercise science, the world is so small. So everybody know um, everybody when you in this, basically like in the, your specialty in your system, you know? So us in athletics, for example, um, the biggest networking was for me is starting from our own conference and coaches that I knew um, when I was a player here. And then with PGC, um, it was kind of an accident, basically. I just joined it because I wanted to coach there. And then um, it became like I just kind of built myself up and started to know people. And then it become uh, kind of going up from there, you know. So, but like uh, as a young grad, as a graduate, as a young graduate student yeah you just finished college so um it takes time and it takes a lot of character too uh people should like you you know for something so and it could be either your um your skills or your personality because many times um people will hire you not just because you're good because there are plenty of good people um plenty of people who can do the job but you have to stand out somehow that people will rem remember you for like five years and ten years after. So, Excellent. Thank you so much. Hudson, can you tell us a little bit about how networking has played a role in your position um, and also share any tips and tricks about how to maybe start exercising that muscle if um, for some of our younger professionals here? Yeah. 
Um, so I would say networking almost exclusively is the reason I am where I am right now. Um, so the position that I first came into at UVA, uh, which is the University of Virginia, required three to five years of experience, uh, you know, compensation, all these different things aligned with probably a job that I should not have fell into. But one of the things I realized early on was that um, a lot of people when I was talking to people in my network or people outside of my network at either a conference or just in passing by conversation didn't really recognize Brian. Um, and so there wasn't like this brand that was going to immediately get my foot into the door. And so I felt like I had to advocate for myself and really start to expand my network so that people could see me and understand who I was and give me a fair opportunity against the plethora of other candidates who are coming through the door. Um, and so one of the ways that I really approached it was, um, you know, I reached out to basically, I wanted to go into fundraising. So I, I reached out to one person and talked with them about, you know, what does it take to be successful in this field? You know, I'm in school still, I haven't, I don't have any professional experience, but do you have any advice for a young professional? And then you, you know, a lot of people want to share about themselves, talk about themselves, uh, talk about the success they've had, uh, give you advice on, you know, what they would do if they were in your shoes. And at the end of every one of those conversations, um, you know, I'd always ask them, is there someone that you think I should also talk to? Or is there someone that you could introduce me to? Um, or, you know, when I'm on the job market, would you be open to me reaching out to you to see if there's an opportunity at, at your university or at your nonprofit that may be a good fit for me? Um, and so I, I was really, um, I guess, strategic to trying to build this culmination of people that would advocate for me, reach out to their co like their colleagues and their friends. Um, and I did this all virtually. And I think that for all of you, you're going to a workforce that um, you may not ever have to go and step foot in a corporate office or go into a physical building. Um, and so you have a lot of people that are working from home like myself that maybe have a little bit of time on their hands. Um, and I think that you have a really great opportunity to reach out to people and say, hey, I'd love to take 30 minutes of your time to learn a little bit about your experience um, and learn about what it takes to be successful. If you know someone that knows them, um, you can say, you know, John Smith told me to reach out to you or ask John Smith to connect to you. And I think oftentimes people are willing to, you know, if someone takes initiative and is willing to reach out to you, put themselves out on a, um, you know, you know, put themselves out there, people are willing to help. Um, as far as flexing the muscle, uh, you know, I'm, I would say an outgoing person, but I know my strengths aren't like to work a cocktail hour at like a conference room. And I think if you recognize that about yourself, it's maybe identifying the ways that you can network that would be um, positioning you to be the most successful. So maybe it's uh, saying, can I set up a phone call so that you don't have to do a Zoom face to face? Maybe it is doing a Zoom call one-on-one. Um, -on -one. Maybe it's asking you know, someone at a local business in Knoxville or in Chattanooga, can I come by the office for 20 minutes just to pick your brain? And you're able to make that connection. And I think it just uh, sets you apart in a way that a lot of your peers are not really um, going about their job search. And you don't necessarily have to frame it because um, if you're if you're like me, you are truly inquisitive of what does it take to be successful um, and you're wanting to learn and grow. And it makes an impression upon people. And it not only serves you well in your first job that you're going to try and find, but those relationships you cultivate will lead to 
someone remembering you when a job gets posted three years into your career or um, a recruiter from that office saying, hey, do you know anyone that'd be a good fit? And they remember that conversation they had with you. Um, and I guess my final advice would just be in networking, it's a, it's a process. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a one and done conversation. Uh, I think you want to cultivate your network and uh, even if it's a professional network in the same way you have relationships with your friends. So maybe it's sending a, a thank you note handwritten right after the fact to the person you spoke with. Uh, maybe it's following up with someone you met at a conference. And then the approach I've taken is, uh, you know, trying to find some reason to reach out to the people in your network annually, whether it's around the holidays or maybe it's uh, if you're in the business world, you know that their fiscal year just started. You wish them a good fiscal year and it keeps you top of mind in people's, you know, in their daily lives when things are so busy, maybe they forget the fact that they had a conversation with you six months ago, but then they remember, oh, this is that kid that met with me in my office who wanted to jump into the field. And then naturally they're gonna ask how you're doing. And that's an opportunity for you to kind of say, well, you know, I'm actually about to graduate, looking for a job or, you know, life is good. I'm here, this is the position I have now. Hope everything's well with your family. So I'm, might have shared a lot, but I think networking is really valuable to not only opening the doors, but um, initially, but opening opportunities for you later on. Absolutely. And Rachel, I'm really excited to hear about what networking looks like um, in your realm of things, because it's a little bit different. So can you share about kind of the role that that's played as you've built your own company, basically? Yeah, my camera is frozen on my end. Is it frozen for you guys? No. Okay, then I won't worry about it. <laughs> um, so my biggest advice with networking, I used to think it was very intimidating and also very formal. Like there was, I don't know, all this like structure and rules. But now I know you can literally reach out to anyone. You can send an email to anyone. It's always worth a shot. And so for me, um, Getting, just getting like the first domino falling when you're looking into the industry that you want to get into. I mean, for me, the biggest thing was getting an internship. Um, Mr. B, my professor, had set us up with a meeting with the CEO of the Playhouse. Um, and so I got the internship that way. And those two months that I had that internship, I met enough people and learned enough things that I felt way more equipped on how to move forward in the industry than I did um, from, you know, all four years at Ryan. It's just something you can't really learn in a class. Mm -hmm. So really just doing one thing, getting one meeting, making one connection really, I think can start the dominoes falling um, for that. And similar to what Dasha was saying, everyone really knows everyone. Um, specific industries are very small worlds. I mean, the theater industry, probably even more than usual. So just remembering that um, how you present yourself and how you conduct yourself, um, people remember that and people talk to each other. So um, in a good way, in a bad way. So if you conduct yourself well and make a good impression, um, just like what Hudson was saying, you know, when you reach out later like hey do you have anything available do you have or do you know of anything or is there someone else i can talk to um those people would be more than happy to um put your name out, out there so that was kind of my perspective on it um from the theater industry side of things my network marketing business that i do now i mean it's called network marketing but it's 
it's kind of different um, because I kind of run it myself and um, am like my own boss type of thing. But definitely just being relatable and being someone that people connect to um, and putting yourself out there absolutely has played a part in that as well for making connections of people that I want to work with or partner with, um, even if we're not necessarily on the same team, like making partnerships and friendships that way has been um, very valuable for me for sure. Awesome. Thanks. Um, and Megan, so you've been at SAP for a while. So tell us a little bit about what networking has looked like um, for you within the company and also with outside of the company as you've built contacts um, for clients and stuff like that. Um. Awesome. Yeah. So as you heard from how I got the job, really the only reason I got into SAP was because I knew someone within SAP. And I would say that every single person I've met at my company, which is a lot, and if we've talked about it and it comes up, how did you end up here? They know someone. I, I really don't know anybody that works for a corporation that didn't get in because someone else referred them or they knew someone or it, I've been involved in, in interview processes too. And like, if that person doesn't know anyone within the company, it, you just don't even really trust them. It, so it's really about knowing one person that can vouch for you, which is huge to get that to get jobs. And then I've moved around within my company and every single time I've moved around, it's because I know someone that can put in a good word for me. And recently I went in, I went for a promotion where I would be a director with the team under me. And I didn't end up, I went for two different director jobs and I didn't end up getting either of them. And the feedback I got on both is that they thought I interviewed super well and I've been really successful in sales, but they didn't know me before I started interviewing. And it, they were like, if you want to get promoted, start meeting with people that are above you now. And so now I'm trying to network, um, not just management level, the one level above me, but two levels above me so that I can get move, move up one level. And then one piece of advice I would give you as students is definitely set up a LinkedIn if you haven't already. I'm kind of obsessive with LinkedIn. Hudson and I had never met before this, and I connected with, <laughs> with him on LinkedIn. A lot of people are on LinkedIn that, are, that work for corporations. And um, so set up a LinkedIn profile and then kind of search if you want to go into a company, search if you have any connections with anybody at a company, send them a LinkedIn message, see if you have their email. I um, have only heard from in the time I've been at SAP, one Bryant College student has reached out to me about getting a job at SAP and they did end up getting a job at SAP. So now you are all connected to me um, by way of this meeting. So please feel free to network with me if software sales is something that you want to get into. I work for SAP and my husband works for Salesforce, two of the largest software companies in the world. And we're always willing to help talk to new students and students graduating and help you kind of figure out where to start your careers. Excellent. And what they say does ring true. Um, the industries, regardless of where you're going, they seem small, but it really only takes a short amount of time for you to connect with a lot of different people. Um, I have a similar background to Rachel. I worked in professional theater. I worked for two summers um, for big productions and just over those two summers, so 
a relatively short amount of time, I had multiple contacts on pretty much every national tour that was going on across the country and across the world. So it really just doesn't take a lot of time for you to know a lot of people and for a lot of people to have maybe heard your name. So the more that you can put it out there, um, the better. But also to echo what Dasha said, it's important that you um, start these relationships with integrity and with character because as, as good as it is for them to hear your name in a positive way, imagine the, the detriment if their name is coming out, your name is coming out of their mouth in a negative sort of sense. So those are things um, not to scare you, um, like, oh no, the impact of this is huge potentially, but um, there is a lot that you can do just by making small connections, like she said, on LinkedIn. Um, that's how I connected, reconnected with Megan was on LinkedIn, and it was super easy, and we went to school together, but still, um, you know, just reaching out, shooting that email out and saying, hey, this is something I'm interested in. Do not undervalue just having a conversation with people who are doing something similar to what you want to do. So um, we'll just pop on to the next question. Um, so this one's a little bit um, different vein. Um, so what do you feel like has been the most surprising thing that you've learned as you've navigated your career thus far? So as you've left Brian, we have these expectations, but we really don't know what to expect on a certain level. So what's been the most surprising thing that you've gained? Uh, you think you figured it out, but you don't. <laughs> um, I think like as a grad, you don't realize it um, sometimes how much how much variety of potential you have, you know? And you so focus solely on one thing that you think this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of your life and then opportunity comes along with it and you jump in and hopefully you have courage to jump in and um, life just bring you so much more stuff and you're like, whoa, I never thought I can do that. So, and with that being saying, um, you as a young adult already, um, don't be solely develop yourself in your profession only be um have a, just be full you know and um because life uh precious and you can relocate to state of arizona and have opportunities that you never thought before and uh don't be scared to jump in you know so that's um i think that's a, from me one of the most surprising things was um as a grad from grad where i am right now you know so thanks dasha all right, Hudson, what's been the most surprising thing that you have learned as you've navigated and ended up where you are today? Um, well, I actually just kind of learned this lesson recently um, in my job. It's uh, all of you are in a season of life where it's coming to an end, whether it's this year, or a couple of years from now. And you've all experienced those season ending chapters, whether it was graduating high school and then you knew immediately after high school, you're going to go to college or you're going to go into the workforce or you're going to do whatever you decide to do. Um, you knew there was a launching point after you graduate college, you have that same thing. You can't continue on with college. You got to go and get a job or do something with your life. That's different than attending a university. Um, and I think the challenge that you face in your career that surprised me the most is how do you know when to leave a job? once you're in it, because there's not going to be someone in many cases that tells you it's the time to leave. Um, you may have an experience that happens in your life that calls you to move closer to family, or you may have a really toxic work environment. But if you don't have those things, how do you leverage, um, you know, 
I want to move up and advance my career with, you know, should I stay here and just see things through? Um, it's a really challenging uh, thing to decide on because you don't, or at least it is for me, because I'm like, I, I wish someone could just tell me there was all these other moments in my life where someone told me I had to jump and now no one's telling you to jump. And so um, it's, I think for me, what's been kind of encouraging though through this is whether it's in my industry or it's industries outside of mine, um, not making the decision in a vacuum. So it's, it's, it's really easy to get impressed about the compensation package or the title that someone's trying to lure you away from your current company with. But um, talking with peers, talking with mentors, talking with family, friends, significant other can really help you figure out, is this move um, something that's uh, maybe in the best interest of me, or is this maybe a self-serving interest that's short-sighted and isn't going to have, you know, long-lasting um, positive impact on my life, my family's life. And so I think that it's been surprising that it's been so hard because, you know, I just got recruited for a job that paid significantly more than I did. And uh, it was naturally you're like, oh, that's just a job I should take. Um, and then I realized there's just so many more elements in life that are beyond a career that, um, you know, when you're in college, you're like, I got to make six figures. I got to do all these different things. And once you get into the hustle and bustle of life, you just realize while those things are important, they're not the, um, if, if that's the main driver for every decision I make, either I'm not making a decision in the best interest of the people around me always, or I'm doing something that could potentially put me in a, a worse working environment or maybe not the most strategic career decision. So um, that's something that I just had to navigate here recently. Thank you for sharing. All right, Rachel, um, can you tell us a little bit about the most surprising thing you've learned since graduation? Yeah, I think um, it's kind of two parts, but one is no one really has it all figured out. It can be really intimidating when you're going into the workforce for the first time. Um, but just being willing to learn and being a team player, which is like a buzzword, you know, for a job, but um, you would be surprised. And I come from an industry that can uh, be a little bit toxic. So maybe I'm a little jaded, but you would be surprised how many people there are out there that just kind of are slimy or you know the childish things that you think are your past when you're in the workforce and everyone's adults and these are 30 and 40 year olds but you really can set yourself apart just by being a good person and um, admitting when you're wrong and just working hard um, and going above and beyond but also going along with that it really is important to learn how to advocate for yourself as well um, when it comes to your boundaries and um, your salary and things like that. So I think there's a little bit of a balance to be found there. And I, I kind of got taken advantage of a little bit in the beginning of my career. Um, and I know a lot now that, you know, I would have done differently, um, but I was just a little, a little naive. So just going in, you know, knowing that, you're you're gonna have to stand up for yourself um but also if you just set yourself apart by just being you know a good person representing christ and um yeah so that can just set you apart more than you think it would i think absolutely megan 
Um, what's the most surprising thing you've learned as you've navigated your career thus far? So I would say it's that when you get a job offer, they typically have a lot more money that they can offer you. And if you take the first offer, you're leaving like 10 grand on the table. Typically, um, I have talked to different recruiters that are like, I offer someone a, and, and women do it. Women accept the first offer like 80 times, 80% more than men do. So men push back and say, I want more women just take that first offer. And a lot of times that they, they see that it's women more than men. And when you do take that first offer, recruiters are like, Oh, if you just push back, I would have given you like $10,000 more or five or whatever it could be. I mean, there's usually the, a, a big range of, um, they're never going to, they're going to start at the lowest and, and have you go up. So always, always, always negotiate salary. And if they say they can't negotiate, then say, well, I can't accept this offer until you go back and see what else you can do. And then put it on the recruiter to go find you more money, better retirement package, whatever. Um, there's all, all sorts of things that are negotiable in an offer and they want to give it to you. You just have to ask. Absolutely. There's, um, and so there's a lot of fear in asking and pushing back, um, but it can be good to know kind of what you're worth walking into a job, um, and and there's just no harm in asking. Um, so definitely good advice there. Um, I wanted to give us plenty of time to touch on this um, kind of loaded question uh, that has multiple moving parts, but something that I think is really important um, is I wanted to ask each of you how you define career success. Um, and it's going to have multiple parts to that. Um, so I'd love to maybe take us back to when you first jumped into your career. What did that definition look like and how has your experience over the last couple of years in your, in your fields, in your jobs, how has that informed what you maybe now define career success is? Um, I know personally mine is different than when I first graduated and I'm curious to hear, um, how that's formulated in your lives as well. So tell us about what is career success to Dasha. Uh, when I graduated, Brian, my career success was um, my title, a level I work at in athletics. So for me, it was solely, um, I want to go be a division one coach or a head coach. So um, there wasn't any if or but, uh, that was my goal. And my title was defined me all the way through quite a bit of time. When I realized it, I came to the point when I realized that my job, it become my identity. And my identity, that's when you starting uh, get burned out, you starting feeling unaccomplished, and it's like unsatisfaction constantly, I want more, I want more, I want more, so I have to reevaluate it. And I'm not saying that uh, that doesn't define me still. Um, I do have uh, goals and I do have um, expectations for myself. But right now, my success, career success, is um, seeing influence um, on people around me and you students here and um, in the past, my players. Uh, but I also have a peace in mind and peace in my soul that, um, hey, um, I'm enjoying my every day and I can go on the beach when I want and uh, don't feel guilty for that. So um, 
that's kind of a very different approach from when I uh, just started uh, as a young grad, so. Thanks so much. Hudson, um, how do you define career success and what does that look like throughout the last several years? Yeah, um, I think when I was at Brian, I remember vividly sitting in Woodley Ewing and I was an RA and I was sitting with uh, two second oh, sophomores um, and they were talking about that they would not be satisfied unless they graduated making six figures. And I found myself as a senior looking into the job market and saying, well, um, I know you guys are smarter than me, but I, I just don't know how practical that is. And they were saying, well, it's just because you're not you don't know the right people. You don't you know, you're not going to the industries that we're going to go into. And while I think that there certainly are industries that you could find yourself a six figure gig or you could find really competitive pay and salary. The reality is, is many people don't um, get that at 22 years old. And I think that I found myself, uh, especially early in my career, um, really concentrating and even now fighting the, the, the battle of like not looking at the dollars that I'm getting paid and associating with that, with the value that that means that I bring to um, my workplace or, you know, society. And so, I think that, you know, really early on, it was just all about the amount of money I can make. And that was what made you successful. The title, how my peers perceived me, what, you know, kind of recognition I was given um, in the workplace, how um, I was able to, you know, boost up my pride in any way that I could. As time has gone on, I've realized that um, there's always going to be someone that makes more than me. There's always going to be someone that outshines me. There's always going to be people that have a better title than me unless, you know, down the road I have the best title. But right now, that's kind of the environment I find myself in. And so I've kind of had to reevaluate what success looks like and find that, um, you know, fortunately for me, the position I am in afford me to do a lot of things in life that, um, you know, I enjoy, whether it's spending time and flexibility to spend time with my family or it's the opportunity to be really involved in my local church and serve um, every single Sunday to be able to lead a community group and lead a, um, a small group of three guys and meet every single morning for breakfast once a week. Um, and I think that uh, while I could definitely find a job that may bring me to a, a higher pay grade or affords me the opportunity to uh, point at myself more, um, the success I've found in my job is that my job is allowing me to do the things that actually bring me the most fulfillment in life. Um, you know, my job is has elements that are fulfilling, but really it's a paycheck to be able to do the things I love, which are spending time with my family, traveling, um, and it's an it's a mean to an end. And um, so right now I just find myself of saying, you know, this my career I'm successful because I have all these other things outside of my career that are so enjoyable and make me ultimately happier than money or a title could ever provide. Absolutely, thank you for sharing. Rachel, how do you define career success and how has that grown? Yeah, I really resonate with what Hudson said. I think in college you think this title or this salary is what you're going for. Um, and I graduated and started an internship where I made $75 a week. So I was making two figures, <laughs> but I, and thankfully I, I worked my way up pretty quickly, but, um, I was so happy. I was acting professionally. I was doing the thing I had always wanted to do. 
Um, and so that was honestly more important to me. You don't, you don't go into theater unless you love it. I'm sure Emily understands that um, because it's not a super high paying thing. So everyone who was in my industry does it because they love it. Um, and so I think really career success is a really personal thing, how you define it, what you, your priorities are. Everyone, when I, when they found out I was doing theater, they would always ask, are you going to try and go to Broadway? Cause you know, when you talk about theater, most people, that's all they know. Um, and I had no interest in that, um, because doing the same show eight days a week for months and months and months sounded horrible to me. You know, if Broadway called me and they were like, please, Rachel, come, I wouldn't say no, but it wasn't something I wanted to pursue because I really enjoyed working in regional theater, constantly doing new projects, um, constantly working on new things, um, and also being able to have a life outside of that. You know, I was doing three or four shows a week, not eight shows a week. Um, so yeah, some people will work in a crappy job with crappy hours, but they love it. It's really just all about what your personal priorities are. Um, and I think you sometimes don't even realize what that is until you, until you get into it. Um, and so don't be afraid to, to make a change or ask for something different if you realize that what you had in your head was actually not what you want. Absolutely. And uh, last but not least, uh, Megan, can you tell us how you define career success? Yeah, so when I first graduated, it was just having a job was career success. And then I started moving up a little bit and that felt like success. And then I had some years of really good sales success. And that's almost became like an addiction for me where my only what all that I saw that was successful was beating other people in sales and like we <laughs> concur where SAP concur, which is like a sub subsidiary of SAP is super competitive and they send out these like quarterly leaderboards. And so we have leaderboards. And then if you're on it, everyone emails you like great job. And so then I would get on the leaderboard and I'm like, I got to be on the leaderboard more. And so all I saw was like, I got to be on the leaderboard. And I started like getting like sick because I was just so focused on that. And so recently I've been trying to change my perspective of it's not just about sales success, but it's also helping other people be successful and um, helping other people be good at their job. And then just getting better at my job holistically, not just looking at the number, but how can I see challenges as challenges that I'll learn from. Um, and, and then I also want to get promoted to be a director. So that's my next level. And that's been nice because I've realized people don't get promoted just because they've been successful at sales. They get promoted because they're well-networked and um, they yeah, work with other people. They do mentor other people. So it's been nice to change the perspective of it's not just about selling more than other people. There's a lot of other pieces that can define success. Absolutely. And um, that's one of the things that I really wanted to highlight during this is that success, um, your definition of career success um, is going to grow. Um, and it's not to say that whatever you think is success right now is necessarily bad, but it's something to kind of think about and chew on a little bit about what, what do I want to um, define success at? It as as I enter into the workforce, as I start this journey that's going to set me up for success. Um, we have a, 
a couple of minutes left. Um, I just wanted to um, open up the floor if any of you have any questions for our panel. Oh, that's a great question. He said, what is advice for what not to do? Um, one thing I would say not to do is uh, have this feeling, especially as you jump into a new career that you're supposed to have it figured out because you landed the job. Um, obviously, they hired you for a reason. Um, they recognize that you have the skill set either already or a skill set that can be developed to what they want. And so, um, you know, I'm sure probably everyone on this panel, even yourselves in the room, feel imposter syndrome that you, you're fake or someone's going to find you out that you're not as good as you say you were, you weren't as good as you conveyed during an interview process. And uh, I think that it's really tempting to get down and discouraged on yourself. Um, but realizing that like having the honest conversations with your managers on ways that you can grow ultimately is going to benefit whatever organization you work in, whether it's you're a teacher, you're a business, you know, you work in the business field, you work in construction. If you're struggling with something, you know, just being quiet and saying, I need to figure out or doing what I did where I was Googling and YouTubing how to do my job when I had, you know, all these people in my office that could do it and were successful is to the detriment of you. And ultimately, um, it's also to the detriment of the company that's entrusted you to do the work that they hired you to do. And so um, I would say, you know, don't feel like you got to have it figured out. Um, also remind yourself that, you know, like Megan said, she works on worked on a team with people with 10 years of experience. Um, your first day on your job, you're not going to have 10 years worth of experience magically, and you're going to be just as good as them. Um, you may be able to find faster success than maybe they found, but um, your network, whether it's externally or internally, can really be a support system for you in those days where you feel really down on yourself. Absolutely, and I echo that. One of my graduate professors always said to surround yourself with people who are smarter than you in areas that you're not skilled in, um, and I think that's a great way to practice that. Um, so thank you so much. Do um, Megan and Rachel, do you have anything to add about what not to do or maybe just another piece of advice that you feel led to share? I mean, my answer would be very similar to what Hudson and Dasha said. So people know that you're new. People are happy to teach you. People uh, are understanding when you are just getting started. So that's not something to be ashamed of. I, I echo that both of their answers. Excellent. Well, um, I do want to wrap up a little bit um, to make sure that you guys can participate in some other events that are happening on campus. Um, but I just wanted to say a huge shout out to Rachel Hudson, Dasha and Megan for taking time out of your day to pour into the current students here at Bryan. Um, it's extremely valuable. And I just thank you so much for sharing with us about your journey. Um, so thank you. Can, can, I say yes, can I say something Yes, absolutely. So I, I don't know the people that are in the room, um, and I don't know what, exactly what industries you guys want to go into, or maybe you're still trying to figure it out. Um, Emily has all of our contact information. I probably am speaking on behalf of them without asking them, but I'm sure <laughs> that all of us would be happy to talk to you about, even if you're not interested in going business or theater or owning your own business, um, we probably have peers of ours that either graduate from Brian or elsewhere that are in the industry you're interested in. And we're happy to set up, you know, conversations with them. We're able to, we're happy to connect you with people in our network. Um, ultimately in this, you know, environment that we're in digitally, I think you've kind of heard from us all today that it's, you know, having someone that can vouch for you or help you get your foot in the door is so helpful. 
Um, and I know that sometimes it can feel overwhelming and just feel comfortable reaching out to us by email or LinkedIn and connecting with us. And we're happy to you know, assist in any way that we can. Um, if you want someone to look over your resume, cover letter, obviously you have a lot of great support at the Career Center, but if you want some additional eyes and someone that's in the industry that you're in, we're happy to send it to someone that we know in the field to get feedback or help out ourselves. So I just wanted to throw that out there um, and feel free to reach out to Emily and get our contact information. Um, and hopefully good luck for you guys as you embark on your career search. Thank you so much, everybody. And he's absolutely right. If you are interested in um, connecting with any of them, I'm happy to facilitate that and do some introductions via email and get you plugged in there. Um, and Megan and I are the um, oldest ones on this call uh, as far as graduation, and we haven't quite hit 10 years yet. So all of these people are still within a pretty decent um, group um, of people that you can be connected with that aren't going to be folks that are maybe 40 years into their career. Those are valuable resources as well, but maybe a little more relatable on this front. Um, so I was just really passionate about being able to show that this group of people, they all have very different experiences and they have come from switching careers, working athletics. Now she's in higher education and she's uh, built herself up as an international um, here in the U.S. We've got people who have worked in unconventional work environments like theater and building something on online. We've got folks that have been at different companies for eight years and have moved up. There's just so many different elements to everybody's career that look different, but you can see that a lot of them echoed the same things that got them to these places. Um, so I just felt like there was a lot of value to show that Yes, all of our experiences and our journeys through career um, success, what our career story is, is very different, but there are elements that bring us together and are the same. Um, and it's also okay that we all have success stories that are different, and that's okay. Um, career success is not going to look the same for me as it is going to look for Hudson, um, just because we don't do the same job, and that's totally okay. So I hope you find some comfort in that as you jump into this journey of trying to define what career success is going to be for you once you get into the workforce. It can just be a lot of comparison. Um, so I just wanted to show that there is a lot of variety um, and that your career success does not uh, diminish because it doesn't look like someone else's. Um, so just keep that in mind. Um, and um, I hope this has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to reach out to me if you want to connect with these folks or have additional questions or want to talk to me about what your next steps are. Um, thank you so much for coming, and I hope you guys have a great rest of the night. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in every other Wednesday for new episodes and make sure you subscribe and share available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.